Andy. And I'm Claire. And you're listening to Killer Vibes, a true crime podcast. So, episode three of the Corpsewood Manor Murders, we have Tony West and Kenneth Avery Brock starting to get involved with Charles and Joey in their crazy Satanist drug sex parties. Woohoo! Woo! So, Brock is the one who kind of had a sexual relationship with Charles specifically, and he invited West to one of their parties because he knew that West loved booze and loved drugs, and they were free at these parties. So he's just like, you know what? Come on down. We'll have a good old time. You can drink, do some drugs. I'll be over here having some sexy times. So... West was not a homosexual man, so when he saw Brock getting cozy with Charles and Joey, he started to feel slightly uncomfortable, which is fair. He probably hadn't been overly exposed to homosexuality in such a small Christian town, so I think his uncomfortability seems natural in a way. I guess. Yeah, he's kind of like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's a closed off guy. I mean, if they're just getting cozy, like the way you described it. Oh, no, they were totally doing like. If they're, like, full-blown having sex right beside you, I think that's uncomfortable to watch anyone do that. But if (laughs) they're just, like, sitting, cuddling or something, then you're just being ridiculous. He's not a nice person, so I'm not trying to vouch for him, but I'm just saying he was uncomfortable. So he kind of, like, was offered by Charles to kind of get involved in everything that was happening. And he just flat out was like, thank you so much don't really want to deal with this right now. And he was actually kind of nice about it. He was just like, yeah, he's getting free drugs and booze. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) So he just thanked them for the free (laughs) drugs and the free booze. And he just left. And when I first read about that, I was kind of surprised because I know that a lot of people that are closed minded about homosexuality and that sort of relationship, they tend to act out violently. And you can kind of see that play out in cases like Matthew Shepard that happened up in Larimer, Wyoming. Laramie. Laramie. Sorry. Thank you. Um, and it just is a hate crime that happened, um, because they just don't understand how to just say no and just like move on with their lives. Um, so Wes just literally walked out. He said, thanks, bye. And didn't do anything violent, which as I've said before, he murdered two people before this happened. So it's kind of an interesting thing. I just think it's an interesting reaction from him. And I wanted to ask you what you thought of that. Well, I'm skeptical of it right now, Mm -hmm. Um, but I would say that those first two murders are people that he knew. So I don't know if we can argue that he's like inherently really violent and just likes acting out and murdering people because he might have had particular motives in those two. Um, I don't know about your two year old two year old nephew. That right? I don't really understand that one. But um, I'm not sure. I mean, I think that's pretty progressive for the time and the place. But I feel skeptical. I feel like you're setting another trap for me, as you did in the Black Dahlia episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, no trap. It's I just that's literally just what happened, and oh, I thought is. it was okay. weird. Okay. Um. Yeah. So, of course, like as he starts to kind of think about it a little bit more, it kind of bubbles inside of him, and he's not really happy about it. So after the party, Wes started to talk to Brock about possibly robbing the castle. Since clearly the two men living there with plenty of booze and drugs had riches everywhere. Mm -hmm. I mean, that kind of, that's not a hard leap to make. And Brock was actually up for the idea. 
Um, and when he's when West kind of started to see that Brock was like, yeah, I'd kind of be down for that. West started to become more aggressive in his thoughts about Charles and Joey. He started to kind of talk to Brock a little bit more about how he had just been manipulated by these like homosexual Satanists that were evil and terrible people. And it was their fault that he had participated in such a sinful act, et cetera, et cetera. So West's ramblings got into Brock's head and he started to become angry about what he had done with Charles and Joey at their parties. So he started to say that he had been taken advantage of and that he wouldn't stand for the manipulation he had suffered at the hands of these two satanic godless men. You went there like seven times. <laughs> I know. And you liked it. He Can you it was calm all down? consensual. Mm-hmm. And he would say this later. He was like, yeah, no, I went there and it was fun. Um, <laughs> so it's just kind of like, I know. Exactly. Well, he was being manipulated by West, who was getting inside of his head. So in early December 1982, Brock went back to the castle um, to do what Amy Pertula calls a reconnaissance mission. Um, so the two hadn't actually been inside the physical house part of the property. They'd only visited the chicken house, which is where the pink room is. Um, so Brock goes back during one of their parties again and just to see what the inside of the house looks like. But Charles like flat out refuses to let Brock inside of the house. So Charles and Joey were really protective of their little manor house. Um, They only let a few people inside. And honestly, I can imagine if Brock had actually gone inside of the mansion, all of the events that were to happen may not have happened because of all of the creepy stuff that was inside this house. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, first of all, there's like zero electricity in the house. Oh, yeah. So it's completely dark. Um. There's like 13th century style Renaissance everything everywhere. Oh, it's yes. just I forgot. Like, I forgot. Yeah, it's, it's just like Dracula's like Dracula house. threw up on this building <laughs> and out plopped an exact replica of a Renaissance style manor house. So clearly, it's just not somewhere that Brock probably would have found an ideal place to rob, I think. And like I had mentioned before, there were satanic paintings and statues and all this creepy stuff everywhere. And he went to go do this reconnaissance mission in the dark. So I can, (laughs) yeah, I know I would be terrified out of my mind. And even if I did have plans to rob the place and kind of loot it, I would see all of that stuff and like back out immediately. I'd be like, nope, not doing it. It's just bad juju in there, not even going to happen. So I'm just speculating that that might have happened, but I just feel like all of the events that happened later may have been prevented if Brock had just seen one of in the, the creepy paintings. In the light. <laughs> yes. And like, um, what are you going to do? Go pawn this very specific style yeah, right. of thing that no one else has? Mm-hmm. You're exactly. Get real quick. I'm just saying. Absolutely. And in addition to that, Charles and Joey didn't keep cash on hand. Like they didn't keep any money in the house because they were not super rich people. Like they had both quit their jobs. They weren't doing anything. And they had about an, a monthly income of about two hundred dollars in from inheritance that yeah, Charles just had for gotten. Food and stuff. They yeah. had already Exactly. They don't have bills or anything. No. And they make their own wine. So that's why they had so many booze like lying around. It's because they literally fermented their own wine inside the manor. So they're just buying like grapes. <laughs> like, that's, 
They might be growing grapes. Yeah, who knows? It's Atlanta. It's moist enough for grapes. Yeah. Totally. Are there vineyards? I don't it's know. It's not Atlanta. I keep saying Atlanta. It's, just, it's, it's Georgia. Georgia. It's Somerville, Georgia in the middle of the forest. <laughs> I mean, I would imagine are. that you could grow grapes there. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So they probably have a, a nice little vineyard in the backyard or something. Um, but yeah, they had no physical money anywhere. So the fact that Brock didn't go into this place and found out that they were hardcore Satanists, like it wasn't just this outside facade to keep people away, and the fact that he didn't find out that they didn't have any money may have prevented everything that is about to happen from happening. So they're wrong. (laughs) They have no money. They're not rich at all. So that's kind of the basis for all of it. But West and Brock don't know this because they're not allowed inside the house. So on the morning of December 12th, 1982, the two men decided to enact their plan to rob the castle. Mm -hmm. So Brock got a hold of a 22 caliber rifle from his mother, Betty Jo, and she handed it over because Brock often used the gun to go rabbit hunting and he just used the same narrative to get it from her. So he just like explained that he was going out that night. Going to bring rabbits home for rabbit soup. <laughs> no, nope. you... That's not what you eat rabbit No. For. How do you eat rabbit? You don't eat rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> so he tells her he's going to go hunt rabbits. And she believes him because she tells him, because he tells her this every time he asks for the gun. So she just gives it to him. Mm-hmm. Pretty simple. So they both go over to West's sister's house. Um, And they watched a football game for the afternoon with her son, whose name is also Joey. So I'm just going to call him Joe Wells because that's his last name. So we don't get confused with Joey, the victim, and Joe Wells. Um, And Oh, Joey's the victim. There's two victims. (laughs) No, I know, but I thought it was the other people were going to be the victims. They are the victims. There's two Joeys. I literally, okay. So there's. Wait, (laughs) say it all again. Okay, so. West's nephew, his sister's son, is named Joey. But there's also the Joey, the Satanist Joey. Yeah, where is this Joey coming from? He's the West's nephew. So they're over at at West's sister's house to watch a football game on the day that they decide to go rob his house. Right, and then you said different from the victim Joey, referring to the Satanist Joey. Yes. And then I said, I thought that it was going to be the other people who were the victims. No. I thought it was going to be Joey and Brock that were victims. So, never mind. (laughs) No. So, So um, the Satanists die is what you're saying. Yeah. Okay, okay. (laughs) Charles and Joey, the Satanists, are the victims in this case. And Joey Joey, and Brock obviously murder them. Well, Tony and Brock. Joey is Tony's Tony and Brock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, I'm going to call him Joe Wells, and that's the nephew. Gotcha. Okay. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) So, in addition, Joe Wells had a girl with him named Teresa, um, who was just kind of, like, casually dating Joe Wells at the time. So, they're just kind of hanging out, all watching a football game. So, for some stupid reason, um, Brock and West decide to invite Joe Wells and Teresa to go with them and do this. But they tell them that they're just going to go drive around. So they don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Maybe. 
So there is some speculation that Joe Wells actually had knowledge of the plan beforehand. Um, and he was brought along on this because Brock didn't want to be bullied into like homosexual stuff when they got there. So he wanted to bring another male person so that Brock wouldn't be convinced to go do something homosexual with Charles before they robbed the house. So that's kind of why, yeah, they brought him. <laughs> um, that's so, so stupid. Yeah. I, it's just like the weirdest like like thread of logic that I've ever heard of before, but whatever. Um, so because they brought Joe Wells for that purpose, a lot of people in the trial process speculated whether or not Joe Wells knew beforehand what mm -hmm. was going on. Um, and what their entire plan was. And ultimately, Joe Wells claims that he did not know. But I think Brock, yeah, Brock said that Joe Wells did know everything. But the only person who doesn't know anything is poor Teresa. Yeah. She's completely clueless. And she's like, okay, guys, I'll go with you. Yeah. I mean, she just go on a drive. Yeah, right. Maybe go see that creepy mansion. I know, right? Ooh, spooky. fun. <laughs> yeah. So, all four of them went into the woods um, on this afternoon. So before they actually showed up at the house, they stopped at a gas station, bought a packet of cigarettes, and then fueled up. And they said they did this because they were worried they were going to run out of gas if they had to make a quick getaway or something like that. So they obviously went with the intention of robbing the house. Yeah. And nothing else. So... On the way there, they finally decide to tell Joe Wells and Teresa what's actually going on. And she is just so clueless. And this is what she says. She says, who and what is devil worshippers? <laughs> God bless her. So there you go. <laughs> and there was kind of a reason why she's a little not eloquent at all. Um, the four left the gas station Right after they had huffed paint thinner, glue, and alcohol. Oh. Yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah. So this concoction was used in place of cocaine, which was too expensive for most of the residents of Chattanooga. So they kind of made their own cocaine. And it has a weird name. Let me find it. It's like, oh, it's Tootaloo. It, oh. Tootaloo is what it's called. Okay. Like Tootaloo. Yes. It's like Tootaloo. Tootaloo. Anyway, yeah. you get high off of it. So, um, they snort this. Well, they don't really snort it. They, like, huff it in, like, a, a whatever. And, um, yeah. So, and then they head off into the forest. High as kites. It's great. Um, so they arrived at the house, and both Charles and Joey greeted them and offered them to go up into the pink room. And they greeted all of their guests like this. They, they were super friendly, really nice people. They always walked out and were like, here, park over here. Come on in. Really friendly people. So Brock carried up the bucket of this narcotic mixture um, up the ladder. So there is a ladder that you get that you have to climb up to get into the pink room. That's where ladders yes. come in. Yeah. I was talking about how many times people went up and down this ladder in this case. And I had to like figure out when each up and down had happened. Yes. And I was complaining about it earlier. And I thought she was going to do the Lindenberg baby because she was <laughs> talking about ladders. ladders. <laughs> yeah, it's a whole thing. Um, So they go up the ladder. 
for some reason, Brock thinks it's a, just a, the greatest idea to bring this bucket filled with glue and paint thinner up with them. And um, they're all kind of like just hanging out and like huffing this stuff and drinking they alcohol. LSD. I know. Government grade LSD. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that only like on special occasions did they use the LSD. So it was for specific parties. And 12, things like that. Thousand 12,000 doses. I know that's a lot of LSD. <laughs> it's a ton of it. But they ha- have a lot of parties. They okay. have a lot okay. of parties. So, um, and again, I, I think that they handed out the drug every once in a while and only to like a few special people. So it was kind of like an exclusive experience that you were allowed to have if you went to their parties and like were tested and made sure that you went through the medical exam and could do it. So, I think that's why they didn't do that. Um, So, everything is, everyone is kind of high now, and they're all kind of, like, out of their mind. So, Brock decides to go to the car, and he says that he's going to go get more paint thinner, and um, he actually goes out and gets the twenty-two caliber rifle, walks back up the ladder, and points the gun at Charles. And at this point, just so you know, Joey isn't here. He's actually in the kitchen of the mansion doing, like, housework. So Joey's not there at the moment. It's just Charles up there. Um, And Charles is so drugged at this point that when Brock comes up with the gun and points it at him, he just laughs and says, bang, bang. (laughs) And then he doesn't even act scared. So he was, that's a good way to throw off a murder. I know, and it does. It completely throws Brock off, and he's like, "What is happening?" Because Brock is high too. Everybody's high <laughs> off oh of their God. mind. I love this story. <laughs> so Brock just just like, eh, whatever, and he oh, drops <laughs> the gun. He puts the gun on the floor and just sits down for about twenty more minutes, and then. <laughs> This escalation happens out of freaking nowhere. Charles gets up after 20 minutes of just being sedentary and probably staring at nothing and nobody's talking because they're all high. And um, he gets up claiming that he's going to go get more alcohol because that's what the situation needs. And Brock gets up at the same time, grabs Charles by the hair, and holds a knife up to his neck. So... Charles is a kinky guy, and he knows that Brock <laughs> is a kinky guy, too. <laughs> they have both been involved oh my God. in kinky things together. He definitely yes. misunderstands <laughs> he the totally situation. He doesn't understand what's happening, and I feel so terrible because he's probably like, ooh. <laughs> he's like, oh. <laughs> so he literally thinks that they're playing a sex game. <laughs> And he asks him that. He's like, oh, you want to play? Oh, my God. Which I just this like, should be a movie. No. Why isn't this a movie? <laughs> I don't even know. But Brock at this time is kind of like getting antsy. And he gets mad that Charles is asking him about this stuff. Because he is so under the influence. And he's been manipulated by West so much. And all of his you know, terrible words about how homosexuality is a sin are just flooding throughout his mind that he escalates almost immediately to violence. So he throws Charles up against the wall in the chicken house because they're still on the third level of this chicken house. And he decides to start tying him up with sheets that he had ripped into um, strips. So he's tying up Charles and... 
everyone is in this tiny space except for Joey, who's like not even aware Where's of what's Teresa? going on. Where's Teresa? Teresa, I was just going <laughs> to, Teresa is freaking out. Like she watches this whole encounter happen and she screams. Like she's like, what are you, you know, she's just all over the place. What are you doing? What's happening? And oh my god, that sounds like the yes. worst experience ever for her. She does some weird <laughs> some drug weird drugs, combination. So much. She alcohol. probably doesn't even know if this is real. Right. It's she probably like, have you seen that movie Shrooms? No. It is a okay. Sorry, side note. It is to me the best preface for a horror film I've ever heard. Okay. But unfortunately, they deliver it awfully so the premise is that this like group of teenagers go camping in the woods and they're all gonna do shrooms Uh and so they all do shrooms and then there's like this person trying to murder them but they don't know if it's real they're all they're all experiencing different like murder things and they all don't know if it's real so they're like trying to fight against it but they're like what if i'm what if nothing is here and I'm just yeah. hallucinating it? Yes. Isn't that a great <gasps> That's premise? That's a great idea. But Holy the movie moly. itself is not that great. Oh, that it's only great ruined. because of the storyline. Okay, sorry. Right. Go on. Okay. Well, yeah. So this is basically what's going on. And Teresa, I mean, like... They had run out of this narcotic stuff, and that's why he went. He was like, "I'm gonna go get paint thinner." Um, so they were kind of like coming down, but they're all still kind of buzzed at this point. And I don't know how often all of them do drugs. Obviously, Charles and Joey are experts at the drug scene, and um, I just don't know how they like reacted to it. But Teresa is freaking out, and she's obviously realizing that this is happening in real time. And she realizes this because in her police statement, she is pretty, like, she tells the whole truth of everything that's happening. And at one point, when Brock is, like, tying up Charles, Charles, and this makes me really sad for Charles, because obviously he was a good person. Despite the things that he did, he was overtly a good person. And he asks Teresa, before Charles gags him, are you okay? Because Teresa's freaking out. Mm-hmm. She's like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. And all Why of these... isn't she leaving? Well, I'll get to that. Okay. <laughs> because she, this, is, this happens very quickly. This whole throwing him against the wall, tying him up and everything. So Charles is obviously very concerned about Teresa. He's like, he's being gagged. And like right before Charles gags, mm. is gagged by Brock, Brock demands Charles to tell him where's the money. Where's all of your money? I need to know where it is. We we want your money. That's why we're here. And Charles, like, <laughs> the motion-activated lights just went out <laughs> right as I started talking about this murder. And there's a lot of weird coincidences. So I'm just saying it's creepy. Okay. So, Satan? Um, is that you? Um, No. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So... We're about to wrap up part three, and we oh, are going to have a part gosh, four. Oh, my gosh, the time is going so quickly. I, I love this story. <laughs> so for any of you who's afraid of Satan, and I was afraid of Satan as a little Catholic girl, um, my mom would always say, like, Satan is never allowed in our house. Like, he's just not allowed in our house. Are you afraid of Satan now? No, because he's not allowed in my house. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, he just cannot come in. And... I don't know, like, I'm a pretty religious person, and I believe in God, and I believe he's there and all that stuff. And I think that for anyone who's, like, afraid of Satan, they should just sing God is Bigger Than the Boogeyman (laughs) from the Veggie Tales. (laughs) And I literally, to this day, that song is, like, my 
This is my song. <laughs> it's a good song. I love that. <laughs> yeah, right? Everybody wants to talk about Where's My Hairbrush, which is also a famous VeggieTales <laughs> song. The real song is God is Bigger Than the Boogeyman. <laughs> what is the hairbrush song about? It's about how Larry loses his hairbrush, but Larry is a cucumber, so he doesn't have any hair. So it's like... And this relates to God. How? Um, Does God find the hairbrush? No, he doesn't find the hairbrush. God is not involved in this. Are VeggieTales always... Yeah. So (laughs) VeggieTales, for those of you who didn't have an amazing childhood and grew up on (laughs) VeggieTales, VeggieTales is like a cute little video series um, that had like little Christian values mixed into all of these crazy stories. To veggies. That's yeah, they're pretty. little vegetables. I feel like I'm having weird... I feel like I know what that is. Yeah. I'm, I'm just now having flashbacks. <laughs> Does the cucumber have a face? Yeah, they all Okay, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so they're really cute. There's a cucumber and tomato, and they're like the two yes. main dudes. I went to Catholic church as a kid for like five <laughs> or six years. Right. And I am now nothing. Right. So, so Satan doesn't scare me because I don't right. believe in it. Well, there you go. So if you don't believe him, then you don't have anything to worry about. But if you do. But the idea of him is scary. Oh, yeah. So I can terrifying. get behind that. So, yeah. So with that and our excellent advice about just watching VeggieTales when you're scared of Satan. What is it again? God, God is, is bigger than the boogeyman. God is bigger than the boogeyman. That is so <laughs> precious. Isn't that cute? Yeah. I used to sing that to myself when I would get scared at night. But I'm a grown up. And you so. still do. Yep. <laughs> it's helpful and calming. Do it's a soothing yeah. tune. It's actually not. It's pretty. It's pretty like. Sing it first. No, I'm not. No, I'm you're not a singer. That. Yeah, but like not right now. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much for listening to part three. We are gonna have a part four, so it's gonna be an extended little episode. So anyway, <laughs> thanks, thanks for, for listening. listening. Bye. Bye.